Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Topical Brainstorm. My name is Christian Larson, and I'm here with my co-host, Garrett. Garrett, how you doing? Doing pretty well. That's good. Do <laughs> I sound so monotone right now. I'm doing pretty well. You sound... I mean, you don't sound that monotone, but... Well, that's good. I feel monotone, dude. I'm... Yeah. It's been a long day. Yeah. Last night was a short night, so, you know, short night makes long day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very true. Yeah. It's Cinco de Mayo. Oh, yeah. We should have a... Should have had a siesta. Is that Spanish? <laughs> yeah. It's when you take a nap in the middle of the day, right? Yep. I was thinking you were going to say it should have had a quesadilla. Oh. Uh, so uh, you tricked me there by saying siesta. <laughs> Quesadillas are good, too. <laughs> Dude, last night I actually had... Uh, Michaela made this Cafe Rio chicken stuff. Oh, yeah? It was so good. In her crock pot? Yeah. Nice. Uh, it took like 20 minutes to make. That's not a crock pot meal. No, it was an instant pot thing. Okay, that sounds more like it. Yeah, just a pressure cooker. Nice. Super good. Kylie... Brought home Chinese food for dinner last night, so that was fun. Oh, some orange chicken? Yeah. Orange chicken and chow mein. Oh. And some, that was it, just that. But it was really good. I love me some chow mein. Was it from Panda? No, it was from, she worked a shift in Riverton. And there's this little restaurant that my uncle introduced us to a few years ago. and It's called the JC House, and that stands for Japanese and Chinese food. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It doesn't sound... I mean, when I hear that, I would think that they make mediocre of both, right? Mediocre Japanese food and mediocre Chinese food. But it's pretty good food. Okay. I'll have to give that a try sometime. So that's and it's right next to the Riverton Hospital. So, mm. so Kylie just stopped and grabbed some on her after she got off her shift. But nice, yeah, it's good food. We ate it in the backyard. Oh, and I still have never been in your backyard. Yeah, well, come over. All right, <laughs> I just I just mowed today. So oh. Do you have, uh, what kind of lawnmower you got? I don't know. A little uh, push mower. Nice. Is that what you were asking, or were you asking for, like, the brand? No, I, I was thinking, like, riding mower or push mower. Yeah, my lawn's not big enough to warrant a riding mower, a John Deere. Yeah, but they're so much fun. <laughs> They are fun. My parents have one. Yeah, so do mine. It made mowing the lawn a a joy, really. All right. You got any other news to report on? I just got a Charlie horse in my leg. (laughs) So that's great. Okay. Wow. 
Good <laughs> stretch. I uh, muted myself and I screamed a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's, I'm sad that you deprived our listeners from that experience. Wow. Okay. It's gone. Thank goodness. For now. <laughs> All right. How are your How are your habits going? Well, I'm very successful at reading. <laughs> I've read pretty much every day. The exercise, not my best, not my best work there. But we're learning some things today that I think will help with it. All right. So get some get some new ideas to implement better systems. Yes. Cool. What about what about yours? Yeah, I've also been reading. I really, I've been reading my scriptures every morning. First thing I do. And that's something I've, have not been consistent with for a few years. So it feels pretty good that when I wake up in the morning, it just, it's starting to feel more automatic. Where before I study or do anything else, I'm like, I got to pick up my scriptures and read for a little bit, you know? Yeah. So that's that's just feeling it's feeling really rewarding to 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 just get the sense that that's really becoming more of a habit. <clears throat> and yeah, exercise, I I okay, my knee's been kind of hurting, so I haven't gone on any runs this week. I've been trying to look up uh like ways to stretch it out and strengthen it because I really do want to get back into running and every time I've gone on a run it's hurt the next day so uh, I got to figure that out but I've I've been doing okay with the exercise and I still feel overall that I'm being more active and more healthy than I was on average a couple months ago so still trending up and yeah hopefully uh, I can also implement some of the principles from these chapters we'll go over today. Yeah, you've uh, been doing a lot better than I have, I think, with the exercise. I always get those notifications that, like, Christian <laughs> completed his goal, and I'm like, dang it. <laughs> Good for you, though. Uh, we should talk about that app. Yeah. So, okay. It's called Habit Share, and I found it because I was scrolling through LinkedIn, actually, and some guy shared a post about this book about Atomic Habits, and then at the end of it, he talked about this app that he built to track your habits and to share them with friends. So if anybody wants to download it, it's called Habit Share. It's like a teal blue aqua blue uh color with a check mark and a circle around it and you can befriend garrett or i garrett and i if you want to and you basically get to set up your own habits and then you can mark them daily whether you did them or not it's pretty nice it's pretty cool i also yeah. get i would say that it makes actually working on your habits a lot easier which is super nice yeah especially for ones that are just you know daily ones yeah um, 
Yeah, it's really great for that. And it's it's also a way to have a little bit of accountability because I can mm -hmm. look on here and see that Garrett's only exercised once in the last five days. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I've only done it twice in the last five days. Yeah. Really? I missed Monday and I didn't really do anything today. Although I've been starting to work in my yard, which doesn't really count as exercise, but it's it's at least, you know, a little bit of activity. So nah, at least you're getting some vitamin D. That too. Yeah. Anyway, if anybody wants to join us, if you have our phone numbers at least. Yeah. And if you don't know us at all, go ahead and shoot us an email and we can become friends on that app anyway. <laughs> shoot us an email. What's our email again? Uh, if you want to work on your habits with us, it's topicalbrainstormpod at gmail.com, right? Yep, that's right. There we go. It's, it's yeah, it's pretty fun to have uh, that tracking app. And it also keeps track of your streak. I've currently read the scriptures 11 days in a row. So that's literally has to be a record for me in the past probably five years. So that feels really good. <laughs> wow. Nice. Yeah. Working, working on yourself, man. I like that's, it. That's the goal. I like it. All right. So this law that we're going over today is the third of four, I think, right? Yep. Am I keeping track? It's called make it easy. And the opposite of that, make it difficult. And the first chapter is titled Walk Slowly But Never Backwards. And the main principle that I liked from this chapter is he talks about how, and this is something I relate to, a lot of times we get it in our head that we want to get the optimal workout program or wait till the optimal time to start changing something. And so we get bogged down by this idea that we have to be perfect in order to change something. And it reminds me of when just a couple of weeks ago, Garrett, you were like, I'm going to work out six days a week, right? Yeah. If you get bogged down by the idea that you have to go six days a week, that'll stop you from starting to go one day a week or starting to go on walks, or starting one set of five push-ups, or whatever it is. If you get so worked up by trying to be perfect, that can be, in the long run, really negative, and work against you trying to become better, or just good at something. Yeah. Yeah, I he described it as this idea of action versus motion. And the the motions that you go through is you like coming up with the plan that that you can implement at some point and sometime. It's just thinking about it, whereas the action is you know taking action and actually doing it. A good example that I could think of was actually this podcast. Yeah. Because I, I had thought about this podcast forever. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? Screw it. And then one day I just did it. I hopped on YouTube. Ten minutes later, I downloaded everything I needed to. 
And then uh, I got Christian and we recorded a podcast. <laughs> so I feel like I was the slowest part of that puzzle to come together. You had to convince me. <laughs> yeah. For a while. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think I convinced you with because you told me that you'd be down but i also think that you didn't think i would actually do it (laughs) you know that might be true (laughs) so yeah but i I thought that was a, a really good uh action versus motion uh example i also i really like the idea that especially when you're trying to form a habit quantity over quality is way better at the beginning because the more times you do something, the easier something becomes. And uh, for some reason I kept thinking about my eighth grade math class where we would learn these concepts and they were just so hard, but we just do them over and over again. And by the time the next year rolled around, those really hard concepts were super easy uh and we were able to build upon those concepts that that we had learned the year before without yeah. e- without even thinking about the concept from the year before you know it's just something you you do or something you did and qua qua shoot if i can talk quantity over quality when forming a habit is just way better and it, in the long run, it usually leads to high quality work because you've been able to experiment with with different things and the way you do things. He gives an example of a professor in college who was teaching a photography class who assigned one one half of his class to take 100 pictures over the semester and another group to take one perfect picture by the end of the semester. And the group he assigned the quantity to actually turned in way better pictures at the end of the semester than the than that qua- uh, that quality group that was only supposed to take one, just because they were able to practice all these different methods of how to how to take the pictures, how to develop the pictures. Uh, so yeah, qua- quantity over quality at the beginning, I think is definitely the way to go. Yeah, I really liked that story about the photography class. And it makes perfect sense. I th- What happens with, uh, with me is going back to my, just to be healthy, that goal I have. I really like learning about that stuff. There are a couple podcasts I listen to about whatever it is about nutrition or about weightlifting. And and a part of that is just my desire to learn more about it. So that's not all bad. But in my head, I always think, okay, I'm going to apply some of this stuff, you know? Um, But that is, that's me just going through the motions and not actually acting on it, right? So if, if I stick in that phase of just learning about it and, and planning, but I never actually go out on a run or I never actually start implementing those things, it's it's really not worthwhile. Yeah, um, I agree. And that, that's a trap I've definitely fallen into many times. Yeah. 
Well, it all makes sense too when when you read the next chapter, which is called "The Law of Least Effort." <laughs> Us as humans tend to do the thing that's easiest. That's why I watch TV instead of going to the gym. That's why I, I sit there in motion and plan everything out uh, without any real intention to act on it rather than actually do it because it seems it's, it's easier to just think about rather than doing it. Mm -hmm. What did you think about the law of least effort? Yeah, I liked how he explained that a real motivation that we have is to be lazy. And that's because we want to conserve energy because that's, there's probably a part of our primal brain that, that wants to conserve energy, right? Going back to a lot of the, a lot of the evolutionary science and stuff we were talking about last episode, I think this would also apply, right? I'm sure our ancestors, when they weren't out hunting or gathering, I'm sure they were trying to conserve energy because energy is precious. Um, even today, in today's world, we rarely get enough sleep in it. It just makes sense, right, to, to conserve energy. And usually the decision to conserve energy is the easiest one, right? <clears throat> it's the one that has the least amount of friction. And the idea in this chapter that he uh, came up with was basically you need to Increase the friction on habits you don't want to develop and do everything you can to decrease the friction for habits you do want to develop. Because again, any good habit, a lot of times it's not an instant payoff, but the reward comes later. If you invest in your health, if you invest in your career, it's a lot of hard work up front and the benefits come later. So it's not, it's nat naturally there's more friction to to go into the gym, whatever it is. But if you can do everything you can to reduce that friction, you're more likely to make the harder choice more frequently. And a really good example from this is when we kind of talked about it last episode was putting my phone right next to my bed or putting it across the room when I'm going to bed so that when the alarm goes off, the amount of friction, well, basically, I have to get up, grab my phone, turn off the alarm. At that point, I'm standing up on two feet, and there's more friction of climbing back in bed than just starting my day, right? And I've been doing that to report. I've been doing that this week, and it's helped for sure. I think one day I climbed back in bed for like 20 minutes. But besides that, I've been able to get up at six and start, you know, brush my teeth, read my scripture, start my routine. So that's been really good. And I've even started doing it just while I'm sitting, um, sitting at my desk because I have to have my phone in the room in case a coworker calls me. And I've been setting it behind me. But instead of doing that, I've just started rolling it across the room on the carpet <laughs> Hmm. which it's like this tiniest amount of friction. But if I ever get distracted for half a second and I'm like, 
I need to take a two minute break and I reach for my phone, but it's all the way across the room. I have to stand up and go grab it. And there've been multiple times when I've been like, ah, it's not worth it. I'll just keep working. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a funny, it's a funny example, but it's worked for me. No, that's a great example. I think one idea he was giving, giving was to just like unplug your TV and I've thought about that because if it's between reading a book and standing up and plugging the TV and then waiting for it to boot up and then waiting for the the device that I watch things on to boot up, which takes like 10 minutes, uh, I might just read a book, you know? <laughs> In fact, these days I probably would just because it takes forever. <coughs> so I really liked the idea of making certain things that you want to get rid of in your life harder and making things that you want in your life easier. I think the hard part in that is figuring out how to make things easier for you and how to make things, certain things harder. Yeah. But again, the most important thing is to just try something, like come up with an idea and then do it instead of, just thinking about it. Yeah. Action. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pathetic how little friction you need to, <laughs> to dictate your behavior. Yeah. Like I, I tried the thing where I tossed my phone across the room and the first time I reached for it, I was like, I don't want to do that. And then I just started laughing. Cause I was like, <laughs> literally it would take three seconds, but that dictated how I spent the next you know, five minutes of, of my day. Yeah. It was funny, but it it does go back to that, that law. It makes sense that we want to conserve energy and we take the law of least, we take the path of least effort, which isn't always a bad thing. If we can find ways to increase or decrease the friction based on if it's an action that we want to do or one that we're trying to, to avoid. Yeah. I think one other thing in this chapter that I really liked was at the end, he talks about priming your environment for future use, which is, I don't know, it sounded to me like just cleaning up after yourself, which I struggle with. Yeah, you do. But if you just do it, then everything's way easier to to use the next time you need it. I've gotten a lot better at that, believe it or not, since we've lived together, but uh, I'm still not anywhere near where I should be for a 27-year-old man. <laughs> but I I did enjoy that. I feel like it's you just feel better when things are clean, when your environment's primed and, and you're ready to, uh, to do whatever it is you're going to do in that environment, whether it's like your reading chair or or your work desk, or your computer, whatever it may be. Yeah, that's, I think that's really good advice. And it, now that me and Kylie live in a house, there's just so much cleaning to do. (laughs) Yeah. Which it can get overwhelming if we let things go for a week, you know? And by let things go, we never really let things get terrible. I think we're both pretty naturally organized and and fairly clean people. But 
But still, it would help a lot if we spent five minutes a day or when I spend a few minutes a day just tidying things up, doing the dishes, whatever, it, it really makes a difference. So I like that principle. Yeah. The next chapter I really enjoyed. It's called How to Stop Procrastinating by Using the Two-Minute Rule. And the way he starts this off is by saying pretty much what you said, that you have these decisions in your day that lead to other decisions. Yeah, X leads to Y, which leads to Z. Pretty much anytime you have a decision, it might be just like a, could be a decision with two things or a decision with five things, but your decision that you actually settle on will affect what you do next, no matter what, which is something I've never thought about. And when you make a good decision, it's a lot easier to make a better decision rather than making a bad decision and then making a good one after that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's like decisive moments in your day where, and it only takes a few a few good decisions to make everything snowball to where you have a good day as far as your habits go. Yeah. Yeah, this is a really good chapter. The, the idea of these decisive moments, one of them, you know, is getting out of bed when you want to get out of bed as opposed to sleeping for another hour or whatever it is. That's one decision that, that dictates heavily dictates the way you spend your next hour. And then once you get to the end of that hour, if you chose to get out of bed, you're faced with a new decision versus your face. If you chose to stay in bed, you're faced with that same decision of get, again of getting out of bed or not. Right. I really liked the way he put that because a lot of times there, there are days when I, you know, I, I clock out five o'clock, I work from home. So I'm already here. Um, if Kylie's still at work or whatever, I have a couple hours and I can, I can use that time productively or not. But if I go downstairs and turn the office on, that's a decisive moment that's really going to dictate how my next hour, hour and a half is going to go. Or I could put my shoes on and go on a run or, or put my shoes on and, and just walk into my backyard. And then I'll start weeding or working on the yard or whatever it is. But like that one moment, those two minutes, or I honestly think it should be less than two minutes. A lot of times it's 10 seconds or two seconds. But those little moments have an outsized impact on, on your day, on the way you spend your time, on how you're going to feel about your habit development at the end of the day. Which I think that's just a really, a really good idea, a really good thing to remember when you're in those decisive moments and you should also remember the type of person you want to become right because that's that's this book the identities that you want to develop and those decisive moments are really what's going to dictate what you become what habits you develop yeah and it only takes a few decisive moments every day to have a really excellent day which I really liked his explanation of the two-minute rule. The idea that you can take a, a really hard habit that you want, or a really hard 
goal, honestly, that you want to achieve and you can break it down into a habit that takes two minutes. One example is if you have a goal to run a marathon, your very easy habit that you can do is to put on your running shoes when you get home from work. Because if you put on your running shoes and your your running gear, you're more, way more likely to go for a run that day than if you weren't to do that. Another one is if you want to write a book, you start by writing a sentence. It takes doesn't take very long, but it's something easy you can do every day to just kind of get the juices flowing, you know? Yeah. Every habit that we want to have in our lives and every goal that we want to achieve can in some way be broken down into something that's easy that if you do over and over, even if, even if you do just do something for two minutes every day at the start, I have a hard time believing that once that habit's formed, you're only going to stick with doing it two minutes. He gives this example of a guy he knew who lost, uh, I can't remember how much weight, but a lot of weight just by, he joined a gym and he went two minutes every day for like three weeks. And eventually he realized that since he was there every day anyway, he might as well just stay longer. So he created that habit first by doing it for a short amount of time every day. And then he took it farther by by sticking with it for a longer amount of time, which I think is a super good strategy. Yeah, and that kind of is the title of the book, Atomic Habits, right? Atomic means the smallest part, smallest piece. And I think this is one of the core ideas of the book is you just break down a huge goal you have or a huge identity you want to build that seems overwhelming. You start with the littlest piece and you repeat that, right? I think there is a lot that we can achieve and and just a lot of power in that idea and in that action if we take it, you know, with whatever we want to accomplish, whatever we want to change about ourselves. Yeah. Going into the last chapter of this section, it's titled How to Make Good Habits Inevitable and Bad Habits Impossible. This also kind of goes back to that friction idea of increasing the friction and he, he puts it as increase the friction until you don't even have the option to act, <clears throat> which is he uses the example of a commitment device, which is something that essentially locks in your behavior in the future with a decision you make in the past. And I think that's something he's kind of touched on before, or, or maybe I've just brought it up too early. I'm not sure, but he uses the example of an outlet timer on your internet router that turns the power off at 10 p.m. A guy who did that and the internet would go off at 10 p.m. and then he would just be bored, so he'd go to bed. Something along those lines. Another one that comes to mind is, is contributing to your 401k, right? You sign up one time. Money goes there, and in the long run, that helps you save money, and that sacrifice pays off later, right? So the idea is, and I think he specifically mentions 
using technology to your um, to your advantage, but finding ways to lock in good habits and really increase the friction on bad habits to make those bad habits much more difficult. I find that really interesting. I've heard multiple people in many different situations talk about how they automate their habits. Like one guy that I was listening to said that he checks his tire pressure once a month, but he could never remember to do that. So he would set it up on his phone to remind him on the day he was supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. And this guy is a huge believer that you can automate everything in your life because it's just easier that way. And it frees up your time to do stuff you actually want to do, which is yeah. what this chapter preaches. Yeah. He gives a lot of examples. I can't, I mean, I've done some of these already. I have a 401k. My phone's always on silent or on vibrate at least. I have a good mattress. (laughs) But I do like the idea that one decision now can help your life many times over. uh, Yeah, in the future. Yeah. And one thing that came to mind is, yeah, I like the idea of reminders in your phone. I think, I think those can be really helpful. Yeah. I've just barely started using those. They're way nice. Yeah. I've, I've used them on and off for different things, but I, I should, I should get back into that. I, I I have a reminder every week to help me uh, remind me to take the trash out to the street so I don't miss garbage a day. I think that's the only one I have set right now, but nice. But I do think I do think those can be very helpful, and that's a really good way to use your phone. That I feel like phones stand in the way of so many of us of of reaching some of our goals, but. Use it to your advantage in a way. And one other idea that I think he's touched on is is that, and one thing that came to mind on what you were just saying is if you automate everything in your life, that sounds kind of boring, right? And it sounds, sounds like something uh, an accountant would do to, to make an accountant <laughs> joke, but... The, the author, James Clear, makes the point that if you automate enough of these things and make enough of your life automatic, especially all the things that you have to do and a lot of things that you want to, well, if you do that with all the things you have to do, then you'll, you're just going to have more time for those things that you want to do and to work on those habits that you want to build and that you enjoy and in in the end, it may sound like you're just boxing yourself in, but really, you're you're giving yourself more freedom by making so many of these things automatic in your life. And along with that, increasing your health or increasing 
your financial freedom, whatever, whatever habit is that you're trying to automate. But I think that's good to remember. And, um, I think it's just a good reminder. Yeah. I really like your example of your reminder on your phone to take out the trash or take the trash to the curb. I cannot tell you how many times growing up we forgot to take the trash to the curb. (laughs) And it's just a mess. It kind of ruins your whole week because you have to really spare what you throw in the trash because it's just so full, you know? Yeah, it's a real bummer when that happens. I mean, it it won't ruin your your day, but you know it. It's just annoying. It is. And if it's something that you can prevent by setting a little reminder on your phone, why not? Yeah, I should think of other things to make reminders on my phone for. That would be that would be a good way to a good system. Yeah, well, I think another good one, honestly, is birthdays. Yeah. Especially if you don't, I don't look at the whose birthday it is on social media very often, but it wouldn't take me very long to go through a calendar or look up everybody's birthday that I really care about, you know, and put a reminder on my phone for, for that specific day to shoot him a text or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me and Kylie have that. We have the Google Calendars app that I would recommend to every couple. It really helps organize things. But yeah, we have we have everybody's birthday in there as far as close friends and, and immediate family and just important people, like you said, right? Yeah. Which is really nice because I, I do love being the guy who just remembers birthdays. And I don't love making a big deal out of birthdays, but yeah, like you said, a little phone call or a text, I feel like it's just pretty meaningful. Um, Yeah, it goes. Honestly, I made a rule a long time ago that if I see a person, that it's a person's birthday on Facebook, and I have that person's number, I will text them rather than write on their wall or something. Yeah, especially when uses facebook anymore yeah <laughs> no one but i mean i use it just because i i have an instagram but i don't really i don't follow anybody i haven't posted on it so <laughs> what do you use do you not use facebook you know i'm i'm pretty free from social media wow um i mean i i feel like i get on facebook and check it I don't know, every couple months, maybe. Yeah. I probably haven't been on it in four or five months at this point, but. Wow. Well, way more, I think a billion, not a billion. There's a lot more people that use Facebook as opposed to Twitter. There's a lot more people on it, like worldwide. I would believe it. Facebook was the first one that blew up, so I feel like everybody's still got a profile on it. Yeah. But I think Twitter has less than like 10 million users. Really? Wow. How many? Let me Google it. Why is everyone freaking out about Elon Musk buying Twitter then? 
So that's not very many people at all. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, okay, I was wrong with that. Uh, way wrong about that. <laughs> okay. But it's still, let me compare it to Facebook. I was going to say, if that's 10 million users, yeah, there's no way. Okay, so let's put this in, into perspective. <laughs> Twitter has about 166 million daily active users. Facebook has about 2.9 billion. Sorry, one more time. What was Twitter's? 166 million. Wow. Compared to 2.9 billion. So still relatively small. A hundred and, sorry, one more time. 166 million? Million. So here's a, oh shoot, I did something wrong there. 166 million. So Elon Musk paid $265 per active user of Twitter to buy it. If those wow. stats are correct. <laughs> yeah, and they might not be, but that's <laughs> that's the internet for you. Anyway, Twitter has a very a relatively small user base. Definitely more than 10 million. I was wrong about that. Definitely less than 2.9 billion. Yeah. So well, I forgot how we got on this tangent, but <laughs> we can edit it out if we want to. <laughs> Anyway, automate your stuff. Automate your habits if you can. Yeah. That way you don't have to think about them. They don't take up time and space in your brain. You can do other things. Oh, I I, I think he used one more example that was really good is he he talks about a guy who had who had his secretary change his passwords to all his social media accounts. Oh, every that Monday. was himself, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah, you might be right. His secretary changes passwords and then not give him the passwords until Friday night. And then he can use Facebook or social media all weekend if he wants. And then restart the system on Monday. So uh, no one, I'm sure, has a secretary who listens to this. But I'm sure everyone has a friend who'd be willing to do that for him, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. If you really feel the need to free yourself from social media. Yeah, I'd like to spend a less time on social media for sure. I'll be your secretary. All right, give me another week. <laughs> if you want. I may I may post on your Instagram. Just kidding. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>